Welcome to Let It Grow Investing, the financial investing and small business podcast that is not run by a professional investor. I am Jeff, and thank you for stopping by. We're going to cover all the news you need to know to make sense of the market, helping you get invested, stay the course, and on your way to financial freedom. Hey, what's going on, everyone? And welcome back to the podcast. Thank you, as always, for being here. And uh, I know it probably sounds like I say this on repeat, but we've got lots of news to cover today. And uh, we're wrapping up quarter one. We're we're getting into seeing some different inflation reports, the PCE. We're looking at some news trends from quarter one. We're looking at some areas that uh, we thought were going to do better and uh, some that we thought we were going to do worse. And ultimately, we're going to see how our predictions for 2023 are actually playing out in real time. And uh, I'll hold myself accountable. That's fine. Uh, a lot of the things that we thought were going to go right have. And then some of them that we uh, really planned on doing better this year have not. And we're going to take a look at why that is. But uh, first off, if you have not yet subscribed to the podcast, please go ahead and do so uh, so that you do not miss any future updates uh, from me here on the show. So uh, with that being said, we're going to go ahead and get right into it. Um I guess I'll start with the PCE. We are looking at uh, this inflation gauge. It's the Fed's preferred measure. Uh, It is the personal consumption expenditure price index, which uh, basically is kind of like CPI, but a little bit uh, less weighted on uh, housing, I believe it is, and uh, a a little bit um, different numbers than you're going to see in the CPI. So these numbers came in light. Uh, They came in, when you exclude food and energy, they increased about 0.3% for February, and uh, that we were looking for a 0.4 number. Now, when you multiply that out for the year, uh, 0.3 times 12, that's what, uh, 3.6. So yeah, we we are lower than we had expected to be. And let me just run this number. Yeah, so we came in at 3.6. We were expecting to be at 0.4. So that would be 4.8% annualized versus 3.6% annualized. So, um, and it was also lower than the January number of a 0.5% increase. Some were calling for as low as 0.25. But overall, I think these numbers definitely led to a market uh, rally on Friday, right? We saw that the numbers were lighter. That's kind of what we were hoping for. We don't want this inflation to keep going because that's going to mean more rate hikes, more pain, more pressure. Uh, and ultimately, overall, more problems for us as uh, consumers. Things uh, are still spiraling kind of higher, and uh, it seems like we just cannot get these numbers under control. I mean, I know you see it. I see it every day when I go and buy anything. You know, I was looking at uh, different trucks. I was looking at different equipment, going to the grocery store. I see it everywhere. So these numbers are definitely... um, showing to be sticky and there's some different areas where they have been higher, uh, you know, the food and uh, housing, although that is coming down a bit, but uh, we're still seeing a lot of elevated numbers. And uh, we'll probably take a look a lot closer here in the uh, the next coming weeks about that automotive number. We've got uh, something planned there for you. And uh, yeah, just some of these numbers are just really hard to overcome. But now when it did come in light, uh, I think the, uh, the, market had a a really nice day. I know that was on uh, Friday. We had that NASDAQ close, I believe 1.74% up. 
So we went up about 208 points on the NASDAQ, about 415 points on the Dow for about a 1.25% gain, and the S&P was up about 1.4%. So we're back above that 4,100 level on the S&P. Uh, that has been a critical line that we've been uh, kind of fighting to stay above, and right now we are above it. So do I think we're going to stay above it? Uh, it's, it's hard to say. There's a lot of signs that are pointing to a bull market starting in the NASDAQ. We have officially moved up since those lows at the beginning of the year. We are above 20% up in that short amount of time. So uh, that is a, a good sign for those stocks. We were definitely thinking that the large cap tech stocks were going to do well for 2023. Uh, from a lot of different reasons. And this, uh, I actually went back to an old show note for the start of the year, and I was looking at what I thought was going to do really well this year. Uh, well, I thought a, a couple different things, right? I thought some things were going to remain fairly constant uh, to where we weren't going to have these big swings. And some things were going to really rebound. So uh, the things I thought were really going to rebound was going to be semiconductors, uh, profitable tech. Uh, those two were going to be my my kind of you know big growers for the year. And the other ones that I thought were just going to kind of work uh, were going to be consumer staples, banks, and energy. Uh, I know I had I'd said a couple times that we're going to do healthcare too. Uh, and some of these things have worked. Uh, the consumer staples, they are still elevated. I'd never thought that they were going to really rocket higher because numbers were already very high. But uh, I also thought that we were going to see these still be in demand. As uh, you know, we kind of got into this recession talk. People are still going to need food. They're still going to need, uh, you know, toilet paper, water, drinks, things like that. Uh, so that is going to be one of them areas where I thought it was going to just remain elevated. Uh, banks, man, this one, this one, I can't say that I really got right. On, on paper, it makes sense that banks should go higher as they can uh, apparently you know, lend out and get a higher rate of return on the money that they're bringing in and their deposits. Now, when we had all these bank collapses, this certainly threw a big wrench into a lot of these uh, these bank stocks. A lot of them were just lending poorly. They were not uh, taking into account how much they had lent out and how much was coming back in the door. So we had those bank runs. We had a liquidity crunch. And ultimately, you know, those couple stocks or a couple banks that went bankrupt have uh, pulled down the rest of the market with them. And that has been something that I really did not see happening, which, uh, you know, I guess I might have had blinders on. I, I kind of thought that some of the smaller local regional banks were going to do well. Um, I, I guess I didn't really take into account the amount of risk that they were not managing. And, uh, kind of the way that it, it kind of was a wildfire when a couple of them went, a lot of them got crushed. You know, so uh, that one, it was uh, was rocky. That was a tough call. But, uh, you know, energy, we've uh, we've seen the utilities still perform well. Again, not uh, major growers, but everyone's going to need to keep these lights on. Uh, so that one has done well. Some of the oil and gases have done well. Uh, the one that I kind of talk about a lot is uh, MPC, Marathon Petroleum, and that one's up about 14% on the year. So that one has done well for me. And, uh, you know, some of the other names, Exxon are down like a point, uh, Chevron, I guess I can take a look at that one here and actually see right where Chevron is. But I know that these have trended down a little bit on some of the more recession fears, some of the crude prices coming down. 
and uh, the fact that they had such a good year. I thought they were going to stay more elevated uh, along with some of these other names. The fact that oil was at a higher price, they could make more money. And that had been the trend. But um, And a lot of people were kind of flocking to them to get the dividend yield and also have a little bit more safety. But uh, yeah, when I look over at Chevron, we started the year uh, January 5th. We were at 175. We're sitting at 163. If I go back to October, though, we were at 157. Uh, so on the sixth month, we've moved up about six bucks. And then since uh, the beginning of the year, we're down about uh, 13, I'll call it. So a uh, little bit rocky there. But uh, overall, I think if you're in Chevron, you're not really looking for an immediate return on your investment. You kind of in there for the dividend, the getting a 3.7% dividend starting at this $163 share price. And um, that one is is kind of, you know, cruising on along. But uh, yeah, Marathon, that one has been doing very well for me. And uh, I got that one back in the pandemic at, uh, I don't know, in the 30 or $40 range. And we're sitting at 134. So that one is doing well. I still think it has a good amount of upside. PE ratio sitting at a 4.79 and uh, the dividend's a little bit lower on this to start out. So it's 2.24%. So the one year target on this is sitting at 152.27. And uh, I'm sitting on Yahoo right now and it is saying it is undervalued. I would agree with that. I still think this one has some room to run, uh, but there is some sort of bearish pattern detected, which would be good for my call options because I don't want this one to get over 139 by the end of April. So there's, there's a lot going on here. I'm, I'm trying to keep these shares, but still make some money on them. Uh, plus get my dividend that uh, my cost base is probably closer to like 6%, 7% on this dividend yield because I bought it so cheap and uh, it's continued to grow. So this one has been doing well for me and I would really like to keep it. So if it could just take a pause here, that would be perfect. But um, yeah, so now we're going to go to the, the profitable tech companies. And this has certainly been the area where I think a lot of people probably rolled their, rolled their eyes at me when I said this is probably going to be a good spot to be. Now, we, we got to take a look back and remember how scared we were with um, a lot of the different problems that were happening in October. And, uh, you know, I guess I'll take a look at some of the news trends that happened in quarter one to kind of recap where we were. Um, Sam Bankman Freed, that was the start of the year. So we were worried about crypto. We were worried about uh, the miners. We were worried about all of that stuff. That was uh, number one. Number two, egg prices. Then we rolled into tech layoffs. We had a massive crunch on how many people were getting laid off. That was hurting all these big tech stocks. Uh, I mean, some of them saw it as a plus that they had the, the foresight to go ahead and reduce these costs ahead of you know their competition. But uh, there was a lot of fear around that. We had uh, the spy balloon. We had uh, the Super Bowl. Inflation and CPI was spiking throughout. We had Silvergate. We had Jerome Powell and the, uh, the uh, Fed minutes. Silicon Valley Bank, Credit Suisse, March Madness. And then finally, we wrapped out uh, Q1 with the TikTok ban. So there has been a lot of different things that have happened in here. I, I skipped over some of them that really didn't apply to us. But there's been a lot of different fears throughout quarter one that I think we really have to take into account as to the fear that has been in the market will not last, right? We know that uh, some of these things 
uh, affected different chip makers. You know, we're looking at the crypto crunch and uh, NVIDIA that definitely uh, had hurt them earlier or later into 22 and early into 23. And now they have been on an absolute run. So I'm kind of looking at these different names and how some of these large stocks perform during quarter one. And I think some of these would probably be a surprise to most people if you haven't really been paying attention to them. But uh, Apple, up 27%. Microsoft, up 20%. Google, 17%. Amazon, 23%. You know, and I'm, I'm still bullish on a lot of these names, uh, you know, just, just for fun. Let's take a look at Amazon. You know, I know we got down very low on Amazon to where, you know, everyone was scared of this one, thinking it wasn't ever going to come back and that no one was going to keep shopping on Amazon and that the cloud was down. A lot of the advertising was down. There's a lot of fear around these names. So when we look at the six month on Amazon, we're sitting at 103.29 right now. But, you know, back at the uh, end of December, on the 28th, we were at $81. We have certainly moved up nicely from there. Uh, you know, if you look back over the year, you're going to say, hey, we're, we're doing terrible because we were at 163. But uh, when, then when you think we got cut in half down to 81 and now we're moving up from there. So I think a lot of that fear that got baked in from the last summer to really last October, December, uh, a lot of that was overdone on a lot of these tech names, is I guess what I'm getting at here. Uh, NVIDIA up 90%. Tesla up 68%, Facebook or Meta up 76%. And then, you know, you get to some of the other names here, uh, Johnson & Johnson's down 12, Visa up eight, which uh, has been on my buy list. Uh, Taiwan Semi uh, up 25%. So a lot of these chip names that we were calling for a nice rally, um, NVIDIA, awesome, up 90%, like I said, Taiwan Semi, 25%, another chip name, uh, up 25%. It's, it's just uh, remarkable what uh, that fear in the market can really do and then how some people are really reluctant to buy into these names when they're on sale. And uh, I saw that even in uh, a lot of the votes that were in last year's uh, investing challenge. We wanted to buy NVIDIA when it was $300, but when it got down to like 140 and we had the vote, no one really wanted to vote for Nvidia. So it's it's remarkable how people are are fine with buying it when it's doing well and the stock's doing great, but then when it gets crushed, we're running for the hills and we want nothing to do with it. So I guess that's kind of my point here is you really have to take a look at the opportunities. I still think that this is a strong company in the name of Nvidia. I still think that a lot of these chip makers are in the right spot. Um, you know, a lot of the banks uh, some of them aren't going to stand the test of time. I, I think that one has uh, definitely been shaken up from some of the bankruptcies, some of the, the run on cash, and people want that safety of having a bigger bank stock. So I think that the larger tier one banks are still going to do well. Uh, you know, they, they did get pulled down this year. But overall, I think going forward, they're going to be the ones that people are going to be flocking to. Uh, so I'm still looking at Bank of America. We're sitting at 28.60. I've uh, continued to buy more. Uh, we've got a one-year price target of about 39.50 on uh, on Yahoo here. Uh, when we're looking at, uh, let's take a look at Goldman GS. Where are we sitting there? And uh, I'll probably take a look over at J.P. Morgan as well. For some reason, this does not want to go for me here, but um, I'll try J.P. Morgan. 
see what that one comes up with. Yeah, we're sitting at 130, a uh, PE ratio of 10.7. So one year price target of 156.50. Currently, we're seeing that it's overvalued according to Yahoo uh, Premium, which I do not pay for. But um, there is apparently a bullish pattern detected. So a couple different factors here that really don't make sense. It's bullish. We have a price target that's about $26 higher, but uh, it is actually reading as a uh, overvalued stock at the moment. So a lot of things to kind of take into consideration there and uh, things that I really want to pay attention to going forward. But um, yeah, then when we get to some of the stocks that have not been doing as well, um, where was that list? We've got uh, banks. Yeah, First Republic down 88%. We've got Charles Schwab. Uh, I think it's the worst performance since 1987, uh, down 37%. We've got uh, Dish Network down 33%. Uh, Centene Cigna down 22% in the in the healthcare space. We've got uh, Key Corp down 28%. Uh, Lumen, I'm not even sure what Lumen is, down 49%. That is a, a brutal loss there. But uh yeah, so I think overall, some of these things that we thought were going to do well uh, have. Uh, I think really the the banking sector is probably the the black eye on my call for this year that uh, I really just did not see coming. I, I really thought that the higher rates and and you know the banks doing some more lending was going to be a good sign for them. I still think it is, and now that uh, I think there's even more fear in the market. I think I want to view it as how uh, large cap tech. And uh, the semiconductor names were really trading down uh, from October to you know December, January. I really want to look at banking or large companies banking that have a lot of uh, you know uh, vested interest in the in the U.S. Not so much that are doing international lending. Uh, I really want to see those as a very good opportunity to potentially buy and hold going forward. So I am definitely looking at those. That is a one spot that I still think has a lot of value. I still think that the healthcare companies going forward uh, do have a lot of value as well. And I know uh, United Health has traded down on some of this news too, but um, I think we're down about 10% on the year for that one. But uh, I still think that that is a solid company going forward. So just some different names, different thoughts, top of mind that uh, could do uh, some good things going forward. Uh, what else we got here? We've got, uh, oh yeah, Treasury Department. There is a new new rules that will significantly shorten the list of electric vehicles that will qualify for new federal tax credits. And that will start April 18th. I know I had talked about it with Tesla, but uh, it is going to be uh, kind of widespread that um, you know these limits are going to be shrunk down. The amount of cars that will actually qualify is going to be cut way down. So what are the the limits here? 50% of the value of the battery components are to be produced or assembled in North America to qualify for $37.50 on a uh, tax credit. And 40% of the value of critical minerals sourced from the U.S. Uh, or a free trade partner also for that additional $37.50. So we're really uh, relying on a lot of these things to be made in North America or the U.S. or have a trade agreement within uh, those com uh, those countries in order to qualify. And uh, as we know, as we've said, a lot of that uh, lithium does come from China, does come from abroad, uh, simply because we don't have the infrastructure in place to mine the lithium. 
it is getting built out. And as I said before, you know, there there's definitely that uh, that push that uh, these things are going to be mined, you know, for for years to come. And as we mine it, it's going to get cheaper to do. Uh, I think it's kind of like the the way of uh, kind of like big screen TVs. I kind of made this this, you know, uh, comparison before that uh, as we kind of evolve, as we have more, you know, companies making mining, they're going to get more efficient. They're going to get better at it. And uh, these prices are going to come down over time. Right now, it is a complete uh, cash grab for who can make the most amount of lithium. Even Elon said, hey, you want to get rich real quick, find a way to get more lithium out of the ground. So as more and more companies actually come online to mine lithium and bring it uh, to market, uh, I think that the uh, the shortage that we have in that lithium space, at least here in the U.S., is going to uh, diminish. We were not going to be so dependent on uh, foreign lithium or other uh, materials that are used to make these different battery packs. And uh, I think the costs are going to be coming down and uh, the recycling capabilities and reusing some of these battery components are going to be going up. So that technology and the uh, the shortage that we have right now uh, should kind of flip flop. We should uh, see that uh, the technology come up and uh, then supply uh, be able to meet the demand that is actually out there. So that's uh, kind of my thoughts on the lithium crunch that we're going through right now. Why uh, some of these different uh, incentives are there to use uh, materials that are mined in the U.S. But uh, ultimately, we got to have more lithium in the U.S. if that's the way that the, the automotive world is you know, eventually going to be headed to is solely going to EVs with very little in the way of diesel and gas. Uh, and then, and that being said, uh, California is actually going to require 50% of all heavy trucks sold by 2035 to be electric. So we're still looking at those players. You know, we're still looking at uh, the Teslas, Rivians, uh, you know, some of the different uh, makers that are bringing those uh, bigger trucks to market and uh, trying to see what is going to be happening next for those. Uh, company BYD in China just re reported very good uh delivery numbers for quarter one and uh, that had actually sent uh tesla stock up on friday as well i think we're up about uh, 12 dollars or 12 points uh on friday i think it was about a six percent move uh yeah 12 dollars on friday six and a quarter percent so that one was definitely uh nice to see that one rally at least for me uh, i've been in that one for quite some time now and uh yeah byd is uh what is the actual name of this one i'm drawing a blank on it uh, but I know that they had a, uh, a stellar uh, delivery rollout here. Uh, BYD says they have no plans to enter the U.S. market. They're looking to stay in China. They revealed uh, pictures. Of, they have a, another Seagull EV coming out. They got a lot of different news going on over there. But uh, uh, as I've said before, China is definitely a tricky market to invest in. There is still a lot of tension between the U.S. and China. A lot of unfinished, uh, you know, business between the two of us and ultimately we really got to see if we can get some clarification on some different things before i would really feel comfortable buying into more of these stocks uh i know i talked about alibaba last time this one was on that list of uh one of the best performers for the quarter i believe this one was up about 16 percent but uh still uh another way that i'm i'm not very comfortable with where this one's at right now in the way of 
those tensions between US and China. I do like that they're going to be dividing up some of the business, doing some IPOs, raising some capital, and uh, really having different groups within that uh, that brand. And uh, they're going to be, be able to unlock some value. At least that's what I think right now. And I think some other investors see that as well. That's why this one has really rallied off of some of these lows that they had. And I think if we can get out of the uh, the tensions between U.S. and China, that would certainly uh, you know send these stocks higher. But uh, I don't really see that happening. I see uh, more and more uh, separation as uh, China, Brazil, Saudi, Iran they get off of the the dollar standard and they look to you know transact in their own currencies. So there's going to be a lot more. Uh, crunch on the uh, the dollar right now. They're, we're still trying to figure all this out. And uh, I still think that that could be a decent thing for crypto, um, you know, as people aren't sure what currency to really kind of hitch their wagon to, if you will. We really want to have a currency that works throughout the world. And we're not really tied to uh, a weakening dollar or, uh, you know, foreign currency that's not going to be as strong as well. And uh, I just saw something that said it was the, the first time that uh, I want to say that uh, the, the Chinese yuan overtook the euro in trade. And I forget what country it was. That's probably not great reporting on my part. But um, I, I definitely see that this is going to be uh, a pain point going forward as to what the world currency of, of favor is. And I think that's going to be a fight and a real struggle going forward. So that is certainly something to watch. But uh, with that being said, uh, I think I'm going to take a quick break. I'll get uh, get my thoughts together here. We're going to take a look at uh, the investing challenge. And we're going to try to see if we cannot find a way to pick some stocks that are really going to outperform for the rest of this year. And uh, with that said, I'll be right back. All right, guys, welcome back to the podcast. And if you need help getting started, I do have links in the description to help get you going for uh, Crypto.com, Binance, E-Trade, and Webull. We are doing the investing challenge on Webull. Uh, you can do fractional shares over there and put in as little as $5 every week and uh, whatever stock of your pick. And uh, that definitely helps build up your account on your terms rather than simply having to buy uh, shares in full amounts uh, and commission free as well. So that uh, that is definitely nice. And uh, I'm using that one for the investing challenge uh, for that uh, flexibility in order to buy simply $200 worth every week. That is what we are doing here. And uh, this Webull portfolio really uh, took off over the past week. I know we were down about, uh, you know, seven, eight percent as where we had been trading. But uh, over the past week, we kind of cut those losses in half. We are now down uh, 4.05%. So we have been able to put in about uh, $12,487 over the course of uh, about a 15-month period at this point. So that is definitely nice. It's definitely nice to see this account slowly build over time. Uh, yes, it is not nice to see that we are still in the red, but I do believe that uh, we will get to some, some greener uh, pastures. Uh, in short order. So I am definitely uh, hopeful on that. And uh, it's definitely nice to be able to buy on a weekly basis and kind of slowly dollar cost average your way into the market. Yes, we bought at some some poor times. Yes, we've made some uh, picks that might have not been the best. But uh, I think we're going to learn from that and get better uh, throughout. And maybe we'll, we'll kind of narrow down these lists of stocks to buy and really have a, a vision as to what to do going forward. 
Plus, I think uh, the market will uh, eventually turn around and get to the point where we're above some of those uh, stocks that we purchased at higher levels than we probably should have. But uh, that being said, you know, building up that account for the long term is certainly a nice thing. And we never know what uh, the market is going to give us next. So that's why we continually buy over time. Uh, a couple stocks that uh, caught my eye um, this week, one being uh, McDonald's. I, I've definitely taken a look at McDonald's and uh, I kind of thought that this one had run its course. It was certainly being uh, kind of people were funneling into this one. From the standpoint of going into recession, people want to be into those uh, consumer staples, uh, cheaper options, and uh, one that is a, a solid company. So things like uh, you know McDonald's had done really well over the past um, you know probably four, five, six months. And uh, McDonald's actually closed the week at an all-time high. So that is uh, definitely something that is kind of off the beaten path. Not many people are really paying attention to this one. But I, I, I'm now seeing at uh, 279.52. We did uh, have a high on the day of uh, 280.64. Uh, so we were actually, we didn't make the all-time high. That was set back in November. But this one did uh, did trade down there for a while. We were down sitting in the 260 range for a good while. Now it broke up to the upside. I don't really see too much more for this one to run. We are sitting at a 33.5 PE ratio. The dividend sitting at 2.1. So this is not somewhere that I'm really looking to buy right now. Uh, one, I'm already in it. And two, I don't want to average up on this one as I don't really think the upside is there at the moment. So the risk reward is not there for me. I think there's more risk than reward. So I'm simply not buying this one, but I could uh, definitely say that this one should have a uh, kind of predictable future. I don't I don't think we're going to have too many swings in this name uh, short of some sort of black swan event that goes down for McDonald's. But uh, similar news with Costco, Target, Walmart. Those are all performing well, but uh, I'm, I'm not seeing so much reason to flock to these retailers right now. I know there was definitely uh, concerns with inventory levels. Those are getting under control. So that is kind of a bright spot for them. But uh, I think... A lot of people have already crowded their way into these names. So it's not something that I am really rushing to get into. I think we will wait for those to come back down and uh, ultimately have a little bit more upside before I really feel comfortable buying them. Uh, you're not getting screaming dividends at any of them. Walmart's 1.56. Uh, Target might be a bit higher. Uh, let's take a look at this one. Target is sitting at a 2.7% dividend and Costco... Uh, they do often do special dividends, which is nice, but uh, we can't always count on them, especially in the time of uh, a recession here. But uh, Costco's is only at 0.73%. So if you're looking for dividend out of those three, Target is going to be your, your best bet, uh, then followed by Walmart. Uh, so those aren't really where I'm looking to buy right now. I'm still looking for some growth. I want to see these numbers in this investing portfolio start. Uh, getting into the green. So I think we need to get uh, some jumpstart names in order to do that. Uh, so I will do a quick recap from last week and what we're going to be buying today. And uh, yeah, the the five names we had on the list, MGM, Enphase, Simon Property Group, Diageo, and Activision Blizzard. Uh, and 
we we need more votes on this, people. So if you can get over to Let It Grow Investing and get your votes in, uh, I would definitely appreciate that. Uh, we are going to be buying Enphase. Ticker is ENPH. Now that is the uh, semiconductor company with the micro inverters that I have been invested into for a good while now. It is trading down in the uh, the short term. It is up from where I bought it. I still have a, a nice little gain on this one. But uh, we do have about 52% of upside. That is from last week's numbers. Now, this one has changed uh, over the course of the week, that is. But I still think that we have a good amount of upside left to go on Enphase. So um, ENPH, I would be buying that, adding it to our Webull portfolio for week 14 here on the Let It Grow Investing Challenge. And let me just do a quick look here on Enphase and see where this one is currently. We are at 210. So over the past five days, we have moved up $20. Sometimes I just need to go ahead and buy them before I even put them out to a vote. So we were at a low of 191, and that was on the 28th. So what was that? Was that Wednesday? Uh, and then on the 30th, we hit 211.94, and 31st, we closed out at 210.42. So uh, definitely a nice five-day move, or even shorter than that, really. Uh, I think a three-day move, I'll even consider it on end phase. But uh, I'm still very comfortable buying this in the 210 range. Uh, I think I was averaging back into this one around two and a quarter. I had sold out around 330 and uh, was ready to buy some lower. So now that we are down about uh, you know about a third from where we were, I'm definitely comfortable buying this one here. Uh, the PE is sitting a bit higher, but it is a profitable growth company. Uh, it does have some massive returns over the course of the past five years. Let me pull that up for you on Reuters. Uh, the five-year return, just a small 4,392%. Uh, so, you know, you got that going for you. But it is definitely a growth stock. It's in the right industry at the right time. Uh, so I am definitely happy buying this one here. We've got five upgrades in the last 120 days. And currently, that price target has about 43% of upside. So we did miss out on uh, about 9% of upside, according to Reuters, over the past week, simply by not buying it uh, this past Monday. But uh, I am definitely still fine with 43% of gain on this one going forward. Um, revenue numbers, yeah, annual revenue for 23 looked to be up about 38%. And for 24, we still got uh, you know real nice numbers there, 76% up from here. Uh, by uh, the end of 2024. So definitely nice gains to be had here. And I think that uh, buying this one on a discount is uh, is definitely a smart play. So that is uh, what we've got there. Uh, but now for week 15, uh, I will go through these. And some of them we have looked at before. I'm going to shoot to say most all of them we have looked at before, but some of them have been a long while. But uh, first up, we're going to take a look at a, a small little company known as Amazon, uh, ticker AMZN. And you know, they're a behemoth in the, in the space. Uh, we know that we've, they've moved up about 20% this year, but I still believe them to be undervalued. I still think there's a lot of fear around what was going on uh, in the way of advertising, in the way of sales, consumer spending. But, uh, you know, they do have a lot of that cloud business. They've got a lot of different things going for them. They're going to continue to expand where they can. They're going to continue to cut where they have to. 
So they are cutting another 9,000 workers, I believe that was at the, the last report from Amazon. But, uh, you know, they're going to continue to deliver where they need to uh, for shareholders. And I think that uh, these layoffs, while um, are painful, uh, I think they're necessary for the health of the company. So uh, when I'm looking over at Reuters, we we all know what Amazon's all about. I was, you know, small joke when uh, I said the small, small little company. Uh, they do have a five-year return of about 40%. We've got a price target on Amazon, about 31% higher from here uh, for an a- average target here of 134. I'm going to try to make these notes so I don't have to go back and do this when I'm putting the vote up for the uh, investing challenge. So 31% up on Amazon on the 12 month. We do have forecasted growth for this year. I know a lot of people weren't expecting that. We have 8.4% growth in revenue for 2023. So, um, especially coming off of pretty decent numbers for 22, uh, seeing that we have a number that is forecasted up. While we also have uh, fears of recession looming, we've got a lot of different problems out there, but I still do believe that Amazon is going to be able to meet these uh, these end targets. And uh, we've also got a forecasted growth of 21.8% for the end of 24. Um, so where are we? We've got a 48% discount on price to sales. Uh, 46, sorry, I can't read. And about a 7% discount on forward PE. So that is trading a little bit light. Uh, but that price to sales is coming down under the S&P 500 index average of a 2.2. So I definitely think that uh, Amazon is trading in that value territory. And uh, the, the fact that they traded down so hard makes me think that this one could be a good one to buy. Uh, the peg ratio is sitting a little bit higher than their five-year average. We're sitting right around three, and the five-year average is a 2.2. So it's looking like that is a little bit uh, expensive, but uh, the price to sales is definitely under their uh, historical average. So I think that this one should have a lot of uh, upside and good potential as things turn around. Might not be overnight, but I do believe that this one has a lot of room to run when uh, the economy gets right back to you know kind of where we were or even just at that historical average uh, type space. But uh, yeah, number two, um, I, I've looked over the banks quite a few times. Uh, I looked at JP Morgan. I looked at Goldman. I looked at Citi. Uh, but I'm keep going back to Bank of America. So I'm going to, I guess I'm going to pound the table on this one. I'm going to say that Bank of America should be purchased. For me, I know I am purchasing it. I can't tell you guys what to do, but uh, right now I think that this is a buy. And I I think that in a year, two years, we're going to be happy that we purchased this one. It is going to be a safer stock. Uh, I know we've said this with banks before that uh, you know some of these should really do well. And then we had that banking scare. We had all the bankruptcies. We had the regional banks getting destroyed. Uh, bank of America is not a regional bank. Bank of America is one of the largest. They're a tier one bank. They have a lot of different things going for them. Uh, they are you know pretty well diversified from consumer, corporate, uh, commercial banking, wealth management, sales and trading. Uh, you know, advisory underwriting services. They've they do a lot. Uh, yes, they have a bond portfolio that uh, could be, um, you know, definitely a problematic from the size of the portfolio. But they are one of the largest banks. They do have a lot of the cash coming in from all these other 
uh, smaller regional banks, the bank runs, a lot of that cash has been going into Bank of America. Uh, I think that if anything, they are going to be wiser with the amount of cash that they are coming in with or holding on to right now with a lot of the bankruptcy scares. Uh, you know, the all the different overseeing agencies are going to be making sure that we don't have uh, major problems in these tier one banks. So uh, I think that this is going to be a safe bet. You have more upside from Bank of America than the other three I mentioned. And uh, you're still getting a solid dividend. It's trading at a discount. Uh, it's in that buy territory. And uh, I'm, I'm comfortable buying it. Last year, it traded down about 34% on that one year return. Uh, but I mean, I, I look at, you know, the, the events of, uh, you know, February and March, and that brought this one way down from the, the mid thirties down to this 28 price that we're sitting at right now. And, uh, I believe that, you know, long-term we should be solid on this one. So that is going to be my pick for number two. We've got about 39.6% of upside on this one, according to 23 different analysts. Uh, there is a lot of fear out there. There's been a lot of downgrades in the past uh, 120 days, five of them to be exact. People are cutting the price targets on this one simply to do with the other banks that have been uh, bringing this one down. So I don't think that we're going to be to some of those highs that some of these price targets were setting uh, you know, back early February that were much higher. Uh, but I still do believe that we can get to the upper 30s, you know, fairly fairly strong to say within 12 to 18 months, I believe we can be back up in the upper thirties. So that would certainly be a nice uh, turnaround here. We've got revenue growth of about 6% for 23, 7.8% for 24 and uh, dividend growth, 10.3%. I love to see that dividend payout ratio sitting low at 27.3%. Um, where are we at? Price to sales, 26% discount, 31% discount on five year uh, trailing PE average. And a 29% 29% discount on forward PE. So trading cheap, uh, revenues are still going up, money's still coming in. That uh, that starting dividend is sitting uh, at where are we? Three point one percent, and we are getting dividend raises. So um, you know, short of any severe banking problems in the tier one banks. Uh, I think if we have that, we've got bigger problems to worry about. So I'm still comfortable buying this one. And if you are, please go over to Let It Grow Investing on Facebook and vote for uh, you know, your favorite stock of the week here. So we've got Amazon, Bank of America. Next one, I'm going to need some help with. We're going to take a look at uh, some different uh, things here from um, Morgan Stanley, Warren Buffett, and Tip Ranks. We're all writing articles on this one right now. Uh, it's Snowflake. Uh, ticker is SNOW. Now, I am not uh, so up to speed on Snowflake, but uh, let's do a quick overview here. They're a cloud data platform provider. Uh, they enable customers to consolidate data into a single uh, source to drive business insights, build data driven applications, and share data. Uh, their platform supports a multi cloud strategy, including cross cloud approach to mix and match clouds. Uh, unifies data and supports a variety of workloads, including data warehousing, data lakes, data engineering, data science, data application development, and data sharing. Uh, they have an end-to-end -end solution that delivers insight, data transformations, and data sharing. So pretty much all your data gets to be in one spot. 
uh, for a business. And that is definitely uh, more efficient. It's going to be cost savings. It's going to do a lot of different things. Uh, their growth is slowing, but uh, a lot of people still think that this one is attractive. So it had traded down since their IPO in 2020, down about, uh, I believe that number was 41%. I think that's what I read earlier. But uh, there is a lot of people saying that this one is a, a solid buy right now. We've got 39 analysts saying that we've got 27.4% of upside on Snowflake. So um, that is definitely nice to see. We've got um, annual revenue. This is the thing that was, was slowing people down. I, I, I mean, I'm not afraid of these numbers at all. Uh, they don't have a number for 23 on Reuters, but for 24, we got 40% of a forecasted revenue growth at 39.6. Uh, but uh, for 2025, we have 91% of forecasted growth. Uh, and that is from 39 and 38 analysts. So uh, yes, it might be slowing, but uh, we're looking at an average of $2.9 billion of revenue for 24 and $3.9 billion of revenue for 2025. So, uh, I mean, I, I'm, I'm okay with those numbers. That does not really scare me. Um, you're not getting a dividend on this one. It is trading on a premium at uh, price to sales. Uh, it is trading at a premium of their forward PE. But uh, there are a lot of different uh, insider, or not even insiders, but you got Morgan Stanley. You've got Warren Buffett buying it. Tip Ranks is saying that... Uh, this is a, a hot stock right now. So again, this one traded down on a lot of those fears that were in the tech space. This one is not uh, currently profitable, uh, which is one of the reasons that this was not really on my radar. This is uh, more of the fact that I'm seeing a lot of other interest in this one. Uh, I do believe it to be a strong company. There is a lot of demand for their product. The revenue growth is uh, substantial. And if we want to wait on one, I think that uh, this could be one that we wait on uh, to really see what the next two years bring. And uh, I'm fine buying a little bit here. I don't normally like to you know, really go out and promote these companies that are not profitable right now. I don't really think that's the sweet spot to be in in the short term. But if we're going to hold on to some companies, I, I think that Snowflake could be a, a solid company going forward. So uh, SNOW, and uh, it did have the largest IPO uh, at that time. I'm pretty certain that was the largest IPO. I could be wrong on that. But um, uh, definitely nice to you know see other people so interested in this one. And uh, sometimes being on the bandwagon, uh, getting in at a discount from where they IPO'd can certainly be a, uh, a nice spot to be. So uh, that is number three on the week, uh, Snowflake S-N-O-W. Number four, what do we got? We've got uh, one of the ones that uh, traded down for Q1. And this company is Cigna. Uh, I normally look at United Healthcare, but uh, today is going to be a Cigna day. We are sitting near the bottom of this uh, yearly trading range. We are sitting at $258. Uh, the low was set back last June, flag day, at uh, $240. And actually, the, the high was exactly $100 more. We went from a low of $240.11 to a high of $340.11 on December 13th. So we are sitting in that bottom of that yearly range. We've got uh, a PE at 19 uh, solid earnings. We've got a, a dividend of 1.93%. Uh, so if you're looking for a dividend, we've got Bank of America and we have Cigna this week. These are going to be the only two with the dividend. 
Uh, what else we got? Uh, just a, a quick overview on Cigna, Cigna Group. They are a global health service company. Portfolio offering solves diverse challenges across healthcare system. Uh, they've got differentiated set of pharmacy, medical, behavioral, dental, and supplemental products. Uh, two platforms. They got their Evernorth Health Services and Cigna Healthcare. Uh, Evernorth uh, includes a range of coordinated and point solution health services and capabilities. Yada, yada. And then uh, we've got uh, Cigna includes the U.S. commercial, uh, U.S. government, and international health operating segments. Uh, they provide medical and coordinated solutions to clients and customers. So they are going to be a health insurance provider. They are going to be one of the largest. Uh, what is the market cap on this one? That's not normally a number that I'm so concerned about. But uh, yeah, $76 billion market cap on Cigna. Um, where are we here? When I look over at Reuters, we are in that buy territory. We do have a five-year return of 51%. Uh, so not the highest of the group. Uh, well, no, that one was end phase. They, I, th I still think we're probably one of the higher on this week. But we do have about 37% of upside on Cigna. So you're probably seeing this week, they, I'm looking for more companies with higher upside. I'm not looking for these single-digit upsides. I'm not even looking at... Uh, 10 to 15, 20%. I'm looking at 25 plus percent upside companies. So Cigna, uh, currently 37.4, making a note here for the uh, the poll on Let It Grow Investing. And uh, I still think that they are a solid company trading down. We've got uh, revenue slowed a bit for, actually, they didn't really slow. They kind of traded sideways between 21 and 22. We went from 174 billion to 180 billion. Uh, for 23, we are looking at 189 billion for a growth of 4.7%. But here's why I want to be in before this really rallies. 2024, we're looking for that revenue to jump from 170 to 180 to 190 in 2023, up to an average of 230 billion for 2024. So that is a 27% forecasted revenue growth between now and the end of 2024. So I believe that uh, this one is going to be undervalued based on the forecasted growth of this company. Uh, I think we've got a good entry point. It's trading at that low end of that range, uh, you know, down with some of the other people getting out of healthcare, rolling back into tech. And I think that this one is undervalued. I think we're sitting on a bit of a sleeper here. So we've got 12% of dividend growth. We've got a low 21.6% dividend payout ratio. So they've got more room to raise this dividend. They've already did that last year, 12%. I love to see a, a double-digit dividend growth over uh, a course of a year. Uh, that payout ratio is low. We're going to be making more money. That uh, even, even if this didn't come in at uh, the this 27% revenue growth in 24, say it came in uh, 20 billion higher than you know the, the forecast number for 2023, and it came in even under these forecasted lows, and it came in at $210 billion, uh, I still think that is phenomenal growth for this company. And uh, there's just a lot of signs that point to this one being too cheap. Price to sales is at a 0.4. That is a 37% discount to their average. Trailing PE is at a 11.9, 19% discount. And the forward PE is uh, currently trading at 10.3, which is an 8% discount to their five-year average. So we're getting discounts. I don't really think many people are seeing this forecasted revenue growth. Um, 
you know, 24 looks to be a, a monster of a year for them. We're, we're trading under price to sales. We're right in line at that forward peg ratio. We're sitting at a 0.9. The S&P 500 index average is a 2.0. Uh, so I think, you know, most of the time, healthcare insurance companies uh, really just kind of kind of meander along. You know, they, they've definitely got uh, some some good companies out there. They're kind of boring. But I think that this one could really do great things for our portfolio going forward. So uh, the more I look into it, I'm even thinking maybe I'm going to buy some for my own portfolio. Uh, so that is definitely one that I uh, need to do some more research on. But I'm definitely getting more and more bullish on Cigna, ticker CI. So now, uh, number five, and uh, we've got uh, like three more minutes before I got to cut this uh, segment out. So number five, Square. Uh, block, uh, you know, the, the payment processing company. Uh, I still think that they have a, a good amount of upside on this company. We are currently trading at $68. Uh, company overview, uh, they're going to operate through their two segments, uh, Square and Cash App. Uh, so those are going to be their, their big drivers of growth and, and forward uh, progress here. So now when I'm looking over at uh, Reuters, let's take a look here. Currently rated to buy 39% five-year returns. Where else are we? We've got a price target of about 39.7%. So again, uh, we've got uh, Bank, of, Bank of America was close at 39.6%, but this one is going to be the most upside for the week. We've got uh, Cigna in third at 37.4%, Snowflake at 274 and Am well, sorry, flip those around. Cigna is... Or no, sorry. Snowflake is the last uh, of the upside here, twenty seven point four, and in fourth place was Amazon at thirty one percent. So, uh, what do we got here on Square? We've got annual revenue for uh, twenty three fourteen point three percent higher for twenty four thirty one point nine percent higher. Uh, so that is definitely nice to see. Where are we on these valuations? Seventy nine percent discount on that price to sales. So normally they are at a 9.6, which is high. The S&P 500 index average is a 2.2, but currently we are trading at a 2.0. So we're under theirs by 79% on that five-year average and 9% under the S&P. Uh, we do not have trailing PE numbers. We've got forward PE at a 54% discount. Normally we are trading at an 86.1. We are currently trading at a 39.5. So if you are in that uh, that you know uh, the cash app movement, the square, uh, one of those people that accepts that, uh, you know that this is kind of a, a cult like following in the way of people who use Venmo or Cash App. Uh, they're definitely trying to build out more uh, use cases for this, trying to get uh, more payments on uh, cell phones or, or uh, mobile devices and things like that. So I definitely think that this one's going to build out more and more over the course of time. And, uh, you know, being able to pay your friends for different, uh, you know, going out to get dinner, drinks, whatever, is certainly a way that a lot of people use these uh, these different platforms. But we're going to see more and more use cases come into light going forward. Uh, so that one is definitely, uh, you know, the, the highest percent of upside, but uh, might have a little bit more risk involved compared to companies. Uh, I think the, the least risky would probably be Amazon or Cigna, and then probably Bank of America, Snowflake and Square definitely have a little bit more volatility, but I'm still bullish on both. Uh, so that is the five I got for this week. Amazon, Bank of America, Snowflake, Cigna, and Square. I've got about 
15 seconds left before this is going to cut out. So thank you guys very much for stopping by. Get over to Let It Grow Investing on Facebook. Get your votes in. Make sure you're subscribed. And uh, if you need a way to get started, use my links in the description. And that is all the time I have for you guys today. So thanks for stopping in. Uh, I will see you guys soon. Take care and uh, happy investing out there. Thank you for stopping by here on Let It Grow Investing. Please make sure to like, subscribe, and share to build a community of like-minded investors. If you do have questions for me or for the group, you can find us over there on Let It Grow Investing podcast on Facebook. This is not professional financial advice. I am not a professional financial advisor. Please make sure to do all your own research before investing in any security. I do have links in the description to help get you started on E-Trade, Webull, Crypto.com, and Binance. And a friendly reminder that a goal without a plan is just a dream. So go ahead and build your plan, uh, design your portfolio, and stick to it. Thanks for stopping by. I will catch you guys in the next one.